0: The Astros find themselves in an 0-2 hole in the ALCS to the Rangers. Fromber is unreliable. Tucker's bad as MIA. But the good news, at least they're on the road for the next couple of games. It's episode 46 of Stone Cold Shows, and it starts right now.
1: The Houston Astros!
0: I bobbled that open worse than Fromber handling a ground ball. Welcome into Stone Cold Strows. I'm Brandon Strange, and I'm joined by Charlie Palillo and Josh Jordan. Follow them on Twitter X at Palillo at Josh Jordan nine seven five. Charlie, it's episode forty six. What player who wore number forty six are you going to shout out this week?
2: I first it better be the next three games on the road, not couple games uh i'm not going with bill dolly but get him in because on the 1983 astros a staff that had nolan ryan and joe negro rookie reliever bill dolly who i didn't cover but met subsequently years later real good guy an all-star as a rookie got in a few years in the major leagues so if he happens to be a consumer of stone cold strohs ready hello dolly uh, but the guy I'm going with, I'm going to say this is somewhat advanced level Astros trivia, harkening back to glory days. Because who minds doing that, especially at this very moment? Game seven, 2017. Lance McCullers starts, doesn't get out of the third inning. Hits three batters. Four other Astros pitchers recorded outs in the game seven win over the Dodgers. Brad Peacock got them through two innings. Chris Devensky got one out. Charlie Morton the last four innings. One other pitcher, wearing number 46, got one out in the middle innings. That was Francisco Liriano, big trade acquisition deadline guy from the Toronto Blue Jays, who came to the Astros and put on uniform number 35. A month later, the Astros made a much bigger pitching acquisition at the second deadline, and Justin Verlander paid, I don't know whether a princely sum, at least a modest sum, to get his number 35, Liriano wore up War 46 the rest of the way. And the rest, as they say, is World Series history.
0: I'm going to go with Hal Wutashek, who I got to meet a few years back, played for the Colt 45s for uh, several years. He was a really cool dude. Shout out to Hal Wutashek. Guys, I heard John Granado and Lance Zerline joking about this before the series. They, they were just kind of tongue-in-cheek saying the Astros are starting the series at home. If they can just somehow get a split and then go on the road and take care of business. Houston fails to accomplish that, but now they're looking to keep the series alive in Arlington, Charlie, as you alluded to, at least two games, hopefully three if they can extend this series. In Game 2, From Valdez starts the game throwing what looks like BP. He commits two errors, uh, gives up three runs before the first recorded out, five total runs over two and two-thirds innings, if this is who Fromber is going forward, do the Astros have any hopes of getting out of the series, much less repeating?
2: Uh, there is some hope. Uh, look, first off, only fanboys and the non-observant thought that the Astros were just going to be the hot knife cutting through the Rangers in the role of butter because of what happened in their regular season matchup. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. You look at the Rangers lineup, it's at least as good, probably a little better if you go weakest uh, link in the chain type stuff. And you look at the individual pitching matchups in terms of starting pitching. It's not advantage Astros. Right, The bullpen was supposed to be the big edge. And so far, the Rangers with some dicey moments have, have held up. Uh, but geez, Fromber, uh, I X'd in this vein uh, during the course of the game. I'll, I'll spin off of it, I guess, here. V-A-L-D-E-Z, Fromber Valdez. Uh, youngins may have to go do a little wikipedia on this or Googling. Uh, That was the most disastrous Valdez performance since Exxon, which was Exxon Valdez, actually, the pronunciation, but the same. Uh, Fromber was leaking oil all over the place. You mentioned the two errors on one play. That's Mm -hmm. not easily accomplished. Uh, (laughs) He was bonehead guilty at Kansas City game in September. He fields his position very poorly, whatever factor. Some guys just aren't good pitchers. They don't get in a great fielding position. Frankly, being overweight doesn't make you particularly nimble in getting off the mound, Uh, but just an absolutely nightmarish inning, and the Astros chipped and chipped and chipped but could never get all the way back, and it could well be at a point. Look, Framber Valdez, his first 99 innings of this season, which spanned 16 starts, ERA in the low twos, top three Cy Young candidate. Rest of the season... The same number of innings pitched, 99 innings pitched, a 4.64 earned run average, and that's not including two crapola postseason starts. Now, it's different when you come in behind by several runs and you're just holding down the Ford as opposed to from the start of the game. But JP France, the family emergency, he hadn't pitched in weeks. If you get it to a game six, it at least has to be a discussion, does it not? Do you send Frommer back out there with an ultra-short leash or not even do that? Say, you know what, JP France... We'd start you in a game six situation. Uh, obviously, in any short series, any combination of outcomes is possible. 2019 World Series, the Astros lose two at home and go win three in Washington. Of course, they come home and then lose Games six and seven. Uh, but there's a shot. The lineup is capable of coming out of too much of a collective coma through two games, Jordan aside. And uh, it starts with Javier. Resurgent in recent starts. He needs to be money for them in game three. The Rangers have no idea what they're going to get out of Max Scherzer, his first start in over a month, no rehab starts. I'm sure they'd be delighted if they could get three, four innings with just a run allowed. They have four starting pitchers available, basically, to divide up innings pre-bullpen over these next couple of games. So historically, the Astros have about a 15% chance of winning the series. For the circumstances, that's not good, but it's not brutal. It's not a billion-to-one powerball-type shot, but the odds are, there will be new American League champions.
1: Yeah, it starts with Javier. That's on to the next one. If Fromber has not an, an ERA over eleven this postseason. It's got to get a bit better than that if he gets the ball again. That's for sure. I wonder if they might have been should have been a shorter leash on him in, in Game Two. You know, I I know it's so early to be pulling out your starter, but Fromber's been kind of showing these signs towards the end of the regular season, into the postseason, and you're already down. You know, one game to none, I I maybe wanted a little bit more urgency there with him, but, you know, it's watering him three starters. Yeah, yeah. A good thing they carried both Hunter
2: Brown and Ronel Blanco. Uh, I I really think in the first inning, in fairness to Dusty, you know, it was single, 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 error, another single. Uh, Now if he'd given up one more telling blow and suddenly it's 7 nothing. great, bring in the reliever now that every horse has galloped out of the barn. Uh, pitched around trouble in the second inning, then gives up the leadoff home run in the third after the Astros had gotten a run back on Jordan's first home run. Uh, I just think even with Fromber having been not even mediocre over the last three months, he's still their number two guy, and I think most managers are going to be loath to pull their starter that early in the game, even with the off day between games two and three. Uh, Fromber just failed, failed miserably, and if we want to go real macro on it, is he costing himself tens of millions of dollars? But if you're the Astros and you're thinking big fat extension in the offseason, uh, big an extension might not come into the consideration at this point.
1: No. And I'm thinking when they traded for Justin Verlander, Fromberg, that occurred to him that, oh, they're going to sign up for all these more years of Verlander's money along with what the Mets are paying him. I wonder if that's going to cost me. But now as I look back at it, I'm glad they did. What I mean, I was telling Brandon the other day, imagine if they went into this postseason, if they even made it with Fromber as your number one. Sheesh. I mean, my Lord, thank God you have Justin Berlander to just give you a a speck of hope here. So we'll see what Javier can do if Arcidi's game four. He's been good lately. That's what they're going to have to do. And Javier, he's that specialist of back against the wall. He he did it in Philly, you know, down in, in that series. He pitched well on the road, pitched well on the road in this past series against the Twins. And he's going to have to do it again. And offensively, it starts at the top.
2: Right a year ago, Jose Altuve began the postseason Zippo for 25. Well, so far through six games of this postseason, he's four for 25. That's a 160 batting average and 0 for 5 performance in game two. A couple of very bad at-bats mixed in there as well. Uh, Kyle Tucker struggled for much of September. Uh, He's been miserable so far in the postseason. And again, short stretches of games, these things happen. If you go two for 22 in June, it's a little bit of a funk. But if it's the entirety of your postseason, which is where Kyle Tucker's checking in, two for 22 going into game three, Hey, shake yourself. Do something. right? Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, three games for the Dodgers combined, one for 21, nighty-night. That is a long history of really good players who've had clunker World Series or postseasons. It's just prone to happen. It's just the Astros are running out of time to have a couple of guys get the heck out of it.
1: Kind of back-to-back years for Altuve, though, right, with how he played in the postseason last year and, and right now where
0: he's hitting 160 we're starting to see a little bit of a trend there yeah well one another a guy who's not struggling is Jordan alvarez outside of whatever his sickness was that he was dealing with uh, i want to get into that just a to- in a second. But before I do, I just want to remind everybody to join us at the tailgate October 25th. It is at Silver Street Studios. We're celebrating all things Houston sports with tailgate inspired food. So signature cocktails and there are VIP tickets if you want them. You can meet and greet with former Texan Jonathan Joseph. Go to tailgate.culturemap.com use promo code sports map and you'll get 10 bucks off any ticket type food and the drink are included in that price. So we talked about there's no shortage of guys that are struggling right now. We know Dusty's not going to do anything crazy. He's not going to upset the apple cart. He's going to dance with the guys that brought him. But if you were Dusty, would you do anything to try to shake this up and try to stir the offense a little bit? Maybe Michael Brantley higher in the batting order. Maybe play Brantley even against left-handed pitching. Uh, Would you maybe give Dubon a little bit more of a look since Chaz's situational hitting has kind of escaped him recently? Maybe drop Tucker down. You know, If you guys had carte blanche, would you do anything different if you're the manager for the Astros right now?
2: Well, I'm gonna go back to where we've been largely over the last six months. Yoner Diaz should be getting primary catching duty. My God, what a disaster Fromber would have been if he didn't have Maldi shepherding through <laughs> shepherding him through that top of the first inning. And give it that The roof had been open. The roof caped in on him as it was. That home field advantage just continues to manifest itself. Good thing that roof's been closed uh the first couple games. Uh okay, okay, pet peeve, I'll let that go. Uh, you know, Dusty. With Tucker having swung the bat lousily through the Twin Series and into this one, he moved him up in the lineup in Game 2 ahead of Yordan, thinking, well, the Rangers, smartly, are scared to death of Yordan, so they'll at least come after Tucker aggressively. Uh, But, Kyle, you can just see it, and it can happen to really good players where you just go cold, but the frustration with the bat flips, you know, I don't mean the excited Home run type bat flips, but flinging the bat toward the dugout and spinning it away as he you know, rolls over and hits a ground ball to second base or hits a lazy fly ball to the outfield. Um, Brantley, you know, banging out two hits after striking out the first at bat. Uh, I think there's a good case to to move him up if you want to try something at least semi radical. You're going to face a right handed starter. Uh, Bruce Bochy will have the option though, to go to a lefty fairly early. If is only going to go three, four innings, if he wants to go with Andrew Haney behind him, um, you know, uh, Brantley's not very good against left-handed pitching. That's just the, the career truth on that, uh, 2022, he narrowed the gap some, but was still grossly inferior to what he is against right-handed pitching. So how do you measure that, uh, against a left-handed pitcher? McCormick's track record is just very good. I would stick with Chaz against a lefty. Uh, Dubon does put the bat on the ball. McCormick is doing a lot of swing and miss these days. Is that something you consider in a start against Scherzer or whomever else in games three and four? But other than that, and Yiner over Maldonado, and I will say on Dusty, while Yiner has looked lousy, right? The one start in Minnesota with the sombrero, four strikeouts, but uh, he's a young guy, but his swing to me feels a little bit like a banana that's gone brown. Right. He was ripe and swinging it, and then you bury him on the bench down the stretch of the regular season, and now, uh, hey, kid, get in there and go do something great. That's not easy. Uh, but a couple of his outs made in the last couple of games, he did put good wood on the ball. Seeger made a real nice play on him in the hole in, in game one, um, and a ground ball speared by, uh, I believe it was Josh Young, made a play on, uh, on him in the hole in, in game two. You know, at least, Yiner, there's the better than snowball's chance in hell of him giving you something offensively, as opposed to Maldonado. Uh, Dusty finally relented, hitting for Maldi as early as the fifth inning in game two. Uh, How about having him in the lineup from from the very start, especially if you're facing the right-handed starter and you want to talk about the
1: platoon stuff? Yeah, if I was going to shake it up, I felt like Lumberg right there. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd maybe you, the two spot you change out. That seems to be a, a point in the lineup that Dusty juggles around a bit. Sometimes we see Pena before the season. We heard that was Michael Brantley's spot, and there's no way he was going to be out of it. Well, we haven't seen him there in a long time. And as much as Bregman's look good, he's hitting 217 in the postseason. I mean, that's not. Exactly, lighten it up. And if you get maybe Brantley on base in front of Yordan a little more often in that two spot, uh, you know, if I'm a pitcher, that scares me a little bit where I'm facing Yordan more often with people on base. And you know, as far as Chaz, I know it's looked ugly with the strikeouts, but I mean, he's hitting 316 in the postseason. It's only him, Dubon, Yordan, and one other guy. Who is it? Yeah, Brantley. Those four are the only ones hitting over 300 this postseason out of everybody. So, and maybe I move it around a little bit. I don't have a problem if you want to try Dubon. He looked pretty good in, in game one. So if they want to put him in there, that's fine. Uh, he plays a good center field, but I don't know how much else you can do. I mean, maybe the magic formula paying you back to hitting second, but he's hitting 227 and hadn't hit a home run since, what, July 5th. But I think Brantley, that, that's maybe the one tweak I would make there.
2: It's a simplification to say, as so goes Altuve, so go the Astros. Uh, But when your leadoff hitter is giving you very little, right, if you want to have a big offensive game, I mean, who wouldn't think that Altuve is not in the middle of it somewhere? Um, So, you know, he's the guy who occasionally has dropped a bunt when he feels like he's not swinging it particularly well. Uh, Would Scherzer be ready to bounce off the mound at the start of the game? Because obviously you're not going to contemplate moving Altuve or anything like that down from the from the leadoff spot. Um, but it just uh, in one game and in a series of games, it gets to where you, you you do or you don't, you will or you won't, and so they're gonna have to produce uh, better than obviously zero in game one and and the cat chasing its tail in game two that they got to four runs, which isn't a good offensive game though it's at least not being in in a, in a deep freeze. In the last three games they played in Arlington, they scored 39 runs. I I bet the under in this case but it's not as if they're going there with just a pop-gun lineup that you're you're taking a shot in the dark and hoping to get lucky. Uh, the problem is the Rangers are capable of more offensively than they've done. Right? They won 2-0, and after the four runs uh, against uh, Framberin in the first inning, they only added one more to that. Uh, the Rangers have been a much better home team this year, just as the Astros have been a much better road team. So
0: something's got to give. And now back to the podcast. Guys, we've done a fair amount of second guessing. And by a fair amount, I mean a ton of second guessing of Dusty Baker's decisions. The main focus around those moves has always been, or seemingly been, Chaz McCormick and Yiner Diaz. Chaz, at times, has certainly been able to get on base, but his situational hitting, maybe not really what you're wanting it to be in this series, and for Yiner Diaz, he looks you know really lost at the plate right now. I, I don't know. Is, is it possible that right now Dusty Baker and, and the moves and maybe what he saw or what he thinks of those two may be being proven right this postseason?
2: I don't think so on the catching uh, spot. Uh, Maldonado continues to be essentially dead weight and a good amount of it weight uh, at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, look, uh, most lineups don't have someone hitting ninth who's a stud. But just look at the first two games of the series. Leone Tavares has a home run, a triple, three walks drawn and plays plus outfield in center field. Martin Maldonado, you feel like he draws a walk. The pitcher probably should be forced to retire immediately and that he is a savant above all others defensively. It's mythology. Um. So I just think that's been mishandled over the, the full run of the season. And now you're kind of boxed in where whether Yiner is rusty or doesn't have his timing, though it did make at least decent contact on a couple of his ground outs over the last couple of games. So no, I'm not gonna say Dusty was right all along on that. On McCormick, I'm gonna go from a little bit different angle, whereas I think Dusty defended himself reasonably accurately, saying, look, he started 42 out of 50 games over whatever stretch. You know, that's 84% of the games over a full season. It's starting about 135 games out of 162. So I think Dusty's been a little bit maligned because he did bury or was a little slow to the party and saying, you know what, Chaz should be in there on a pretty much full-time basis because he was over the last two-plus months of the season. Problem is, Chaz, after being just marvelous through the mid-chunk of the season, faded in September, right? OPS September 1st through, well, October 1st, uh, 7.03. And, uh, you know, you, you want the thunder in the at-bat, but, Brandon, you alluded to this, solid on-base percentage guy, 360. I mean, Chaz McCormick overall was a very positive player, but over the last month, less so. But unless you're enamored with Dubon, right? Jake Myers faded to oblivion. What really is the alternative to playing Chaz on an almost everyday basis, unless you want Dubon's glove in center field for the Verlander starts?
1: No, I don't think Dusty was right. The guy he had starting the season in center field, didn't even make the ALCS playoff roster and Jake Myers, who was playing over Chaz coming off a World Series that Chaz helped you win. So I'm going to disagree there. My biggest issue with Chaz, he was playing all the time, but when we did have that tiny little stretch where Michael Brantley was good to go, it was one or the other. And that's what I kept banging on the table for. Put Chaz in center, put Brantley or Yordan in left, and have the other one DH. It was always a mix match of those guys. It seemed like if Brantley was playing and then Chaz wasn't been playing. And, you know, and of course, that was only for a short period of time. But Brantley is ready to go. Chaz is ready to go. At least that's what we've been told here in the postseason. You know, I'd like to see all those guys play. That's why I was I was excited in game two that they did that in game one. I get the lefty matchup thing. I just I feel like on this roster, especially with so much swing and miss, and I know they're supposed to be good at contact and not striking out. but You're seeing a lot of swing and miss this postseason, at least to my eyes. A guy like Brantley, that's for the most part, he's going to put the ball in play, get on base. I think you need as much as that as you can.
0: But is one of the highest swing and miss guys in the league, and in a short series, uh, well, especially what a short series now when you need to win two of three games over Narlington. But he hasn't done anything that's made you go, oh, that that guy needs to be in, and he is one of the high swing and miss guys in in the league. So, but let me name one higher, Martin Maldonado. <laughs>
2: so you know, give me the, give me the chance of the Thunder. In Yiner's at-bats, especially if he'd gotten some more consistent playing time, maybe he'd be in a better rhythm than when he gets the odd start or gets a pinch hit call. Um, Even in game two, you don't want to extrapolate much out of one game or a couple of at-bats, but he comes up and chases and strikes out. Well, that was decobwebbing, perhaps, and he made solid contact, both ground balls, but put bat on ball, and the ball does come off the bat with authority. Uh, with Yiner, whereas Maldonado strikes out every two and a half at-bats. He's been a sub-200 hitter three years in a row. You know, lather, rinse, repeat. I would want to try to improve my chances on the margins everywhere I could. Uh, But of much more import, Altuve, Tucker need to get it going, and another one of their name-brand offensive players who you expect something from. Uh, But again, the eight and nine-hole hitters aren't supposed to be doing the heavy lifting Altuve and Tucker are supposed to be among the heavy lifters, and in this series, they've been more 98 pound weaklings.
1: Didn't that Altuve guy hit four straight home runs against the Rangers not that long ago? Is is that a distant memory of mine? Did that actually happen? Yeah, Where's that guy?
2: His career off of Aldi.
0: I guess just one thing on the the Yiner front is everybody kind of compares Pena last year and says, "Oh, well, look, look what happens when you gave Pena you know a full year and look how effective he was in the postseason." Then he kind of came back down to earth and he's been kind of a, kind of a mediocre hitter, even being able to repair his swing to where now he's able to fight off those uh, low and away sliders. It's come at the cost of the long ball for him. I think it's premature to think that, you know, Yiner is going to be some hitting savant or an all-star or Mike Piazza's second coming. But I, Charlie, I agree with you. You got to improve on the margins. I'm scared. When Martin Maldonado throws to second, trying to throw out a runner, because there's a high likelihood it's going to bounce and go into the outfield. And so, uh, yeah, I, I do agree with you that it's going to be on an Altuve. It's going to be on a Kyle Tucker.
2: As, as as we discussed this, obviously, it's stone cold Strohs. So the prism is t- tilted for an Astros view, uh, whether it's Astros fans or high bar intelligent conversation about the Astros. It's going to be from that perspective. The Rangers are good, right? They were in first place for about 140 days of the regular season for good reason. An elite offense. And they wilted some over the summer. And then, of course, the last week of the season, they really cracked and gave it up and the Astros surged. But that the Astros had some fundamental significant advantage as a team over the Rangers coming into the series was fallacy. So just as the Rangers can win a couple of games, certainly the Astros can turn that warm and win a couple of games. Uh, but the Rangers are a very capable team of winning the World Series. Right, that bullpen Achilles' heel every time Aroldis Chapman comes in, you're thinking here's the Astros' chance, and Jordan got him, but nothing beyond that. I mean, they signed Will Smith to be their closer. He gave up the job. Then they add Chapman to maybe be their closer. He gives up the job, and Jose Leclerc. I mean, walks the first two guys in the eighth inning and works his way through that, and then pitches a one-two-three ninth inning, and the starting pitching. Jordan Montgomery was every bit as good as Justin Verlander this year. Nathan Evaldi, before his arm injury, and so far in this postseason, a better pitcher than Framber Valdez has been this year. So it's not a smoke and mirror show. It's not fluke. And obviously you have the whole Metroplex versus Houston thing and Astros fans, Rangers fans thing. The Rangers beat the, Ast- beat the Astros just because they were better in a series
0: and that's the bottom line because stone cold said so there we go that's going to be it for another episode of stone cold strohs it's in the books and if you enjoy the show if you feel so inclined give us a five star rating thanks to jack brain for producing go strohs